You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. It's episode 225 of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. We're brought to you today by GameMat.eu. 10% off is Event 10. And Panhandle3D.com is Shorehammer for the next week or two. And that's 15% off. As well as my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And thank you for listening. So anyway, with all those thanks out of the, out of the way... What are we talking about? Well, number one, we talk about the new drop uh, supply drops, which is random bundles from Warhammer from Games Workshop. And then we also have a letter from Richard, and he's given me a different perspective on the Hollywood writer issues and dilemmas they face nowadays and why the writing for TVs and movies sucks, according to my opinion. And then we also go in depth for Wahapedia. If you've never heard of that, we describe that and and explain why. Um, Games Workshop should just buy them already because they do Games Workshop's job way better than Games Workshop does. What have I been up to? Well, I have not been feeling very good, so I had to record this episode in between bouts of not feeling good, but I got it done and I'm happy about it. So uh, now I think I'll go back to sleep. (laughs) What have I been up to? Uh, This week I played a fun game with a 10-year-old at the club. We've got a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old that have joined the club, so um, we take turns playing them, and um, this week I was playing against that kid. I uh, I wanted to actually try a little bit. I didn't want to just give it to him like usual, so I brought Gene Stealer Court. Cart. Gene Stealer Court. Oh my god. I've been playing Flesh Eater Court lately. So it's Gene Stealer Cult. And I brought that, and he decided he wanted to play a 1,400-point game, I think it was. So I brought 1,100 points. So 300 points deficit, and he plays Space Marines, I play Gene Stealer Cult. So you know there's already, even if we were the same points, we weren't really the same points, because Gene Stealer Cult are just not quite as good as Space Marines. So I had a really good game with him, um... I, if we actually would have been able to finish it, I definitely would have won. He was winning by one point at that point. But if we would have been able to do the third or fourth turn, I forget when we stopped. If we were able to do the next turn, I would have overtaken him. But uh, it was quite a bit of fun. And my aberrants, my 10-man squad of aberrants, uh, deep struck in and charged and killed 9 out of 10 of his intercessor squad. And then the last guy, of course, fled. So that was uh, that was very, very good. Those aberrants stayed in the entire game and I was able to use like mind control and hypnotize mass hypnosis or whatever. And I was able to really limit what he could do to the aberrants and I got them in combat. I tied up some of his units and the aberrants. I still had like three left at the end of the game. Um, now, of course, we had only played two or three turns, so they were still dying. But reducing damage by one is a pretty good trick they've got. So uh Anyway, that he was surprised at all the different things that Gene Steeler Cult could do, and he's never played them before, so it was a good game. Um, he did have far more units on the field than I did, though. That's that's one thing. I w- was going to overtake him in points, but he still had... Geez, I only had... What did I even have left on the board? I had three Aberrants. I had 20 um, uh, Neophytes. I had a Magus. I had a Primus. And I think that's it. He killed everything else, and if you know anything about Gene Steeler Cult, you're talking like 
four four hundred points in there, something like that. I mean, really, not much left. So it was going to be a, a a tight game. But anyway, uh, that that's what we did this week. Uh, Brutal Space first uh, draft print copy came in, and it came out far more beautiful than I expected. It is a gorgeous book, and it prints beautifully. So I'm excited about that. Now I have to sit down. I've started reading through it again, grab a cup of coffee, sit down, read all 115 pages of it. This is my third full edit um, for this book, and uh, I need to send it out to some friends, get them to look at it and all that as well. So I've also, on the hobby aspect of everything, I've been hard at work painting that spaceship, that starship that my friend TJ printed for me. I've got it all laid out, and oh my god, it just pleases me so much to have a bridge and a sick bay and engineering and the different rooms and a galley and bathroom and just, I know it sounds stupid, but I absolutely love it. So that's what I've been doing. Let's get on with the first segment. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Well, this here is the Tesseract Mailbox, and you know what time it is. It's when we read, uh, I almost said viewer mail, but it's listener mail, actually. This comes from Richard. He writes, Hello, Pemcron. A very belated congrats on your four-year anniversary of the podcast. Thank you, Richard. I meant to say something then, but I've been, uh, because I've been a listener for three of those years, but life kind of got in the way. I changed jobs, and life has been good, but hectic. I have a slightly different take on your statement that colleges are to blame for the poor writing in recent years. He's referring to the last episode where I said I think colleges are probably to blame for the bad writing, uh, maybe because they're putting out bad writers. I don't know. I was I was trying to think of the reason why things would be different now compared to decades prior. He writes, well, you may be correct about colleges dropping the ball. Please keep in mind that many of yesteryear's best writers were not formally educated, formally, I'm sorry, formally educated at all. I doubt that colleges are the main reason that so many shows and movies are poorly written. I think the real reason goes back to Hollywood as a corporate environment. These studios are all more interested in putting someone in place behind the camera and in the writing room who will do their bidding, and the craft comes much lower on the ladder of priorities. We've seen many of Marvel's newest shows and movies directed or written by people who may only have one other project under their belt, usually an indie movie. Knowing that they are underqualified for the job, they are at a disadvantage when it comes to pushing back against bad ideas brought about by test audiences. I think of it as less of a failure of colleges and more of an example of cronyism in Hollywood, while I admit the colleges are probably partly to blame. Anyway, thanks for a great show. Richard. Well, uh, Richard, I had not actually thought of that. Of cronyism, I'm sure, plays a huge part in it. And by what you're saying, yeah, uh, I've also heard that many of the uh, writers and, and producers and all of that of these shows are basically new to the scene and basically don't have a whole lot of uh, history or proven positive results with their projects other than maybe one hit indie movie or something like that. And I think probably could everyone could probably admit that doing an indie movie, which is most likely low budget, is very, very different from writing or directing a blockbuster. So maybe that is true. Maybe the uh, corporations in Hollywood are so worried about checking off as many boxes as they can to appeal to a broad audience that they listen to the test, the focus groups and the, the test audiences. And it's more like um, 
writing by committee versus having someone that's actually skilled and knowledgeable and passionate about the project writing on it. They'd much rather have like a puppet in place that will do whatever they say versus someone like Steven Spielberg or James Cameron or, or one of them would probably fight back if they thought it was a bad idea for the movie or the TV show or whatever. Um, these newer people have no possible way to do that because they don't have the clout or anything like that in the industry in order to uh, push back at all. And basically these studios would be like, oh, you know what? We're going to take away this fantastic opportunity for your career if you don't do X, Y, or Z to meet all these you know, target audience demands. And that, that does actually sound like that could play a pretty big part in it. So thank you for bringing that up. That's actually a really interesting, um, different perspective on the whole situation. And anyway, you can reach me at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron. I'm also on Instagram where I post my uh, short uh sketches comedy sketches and youtube i'm on there as pimcron tv with just one p i'm on pimcron on uh, instagram with just one p it would not let me put the second p in there because you know it's a no-no word let's get on to the next segment people want that or want that not Hey, it's that time of year again, and it is time for the supply drops for Warhammer to come in from Games Workshop. If you don't know what that is, uh, I also was not really aware of them until just now. Basically, Games Workshop takes uh, a bunch of merchandise, makes up mystery boxes, and purportedly gives you about a 50% discount, but you don't know what faction or anything like that you're getting. It's random model kits. Um, they were also labeled dangerous on the uh, the UK site, so people are also speculating they might have um, uh, spray paints in them or something like that as well. Maybe glue. They have to mark that sort of thing as dangerous for post office. So anyway, um, they've been doing this for a couple years now, and uh, it's very, very hard to find out what the actual value of these things are. This is the first time that I've ever rated something that is not a definite product, and it's kind of interesting from that standpoint at least. Another funny thing about these uh, supply drops is that they're not offered in the U.S. at all this year. I don't know if they were in previous years, but they're only uh, available in like New Zealand, Australia, Japan, the U.K., and I think like one other country, but not in the good old U.S. of A. Oh well. So basically, um, after perusing the internet, I've been trying to figure out what people actually got in their loot crates and seeing if it was worth it or not to buy. Now, I'll tell you, I am not a big fan of mystery boxes. I'm not a real big fan of grab bags. I'm not a real big fan of booster packs, blind boosters, and all that BS. I really, really don't like it. I feel, and this is just kind of like my opinions on casinos and things like that. Everybody's like, oh, I might get something good. And I'm like, yes, you may get something good. You may win the jackpot at that uh, slot machine. You may get some ultra super rare chase hero click or some fantastic magic card worth a hundred bucks. You definitely could get that. But how many packs are you going to have to buy in order to finally get that thing? Of course, yes, the way things go, the way randomness goes, your, your very first pack, you could get some sort of famous Thanos miniature in Heroclix or whatever. But if all of the packs were a great deal, then the company would go out of business. 
That's the same thing with casinos. If they actually put out more money in winnings than they brought in, they would go out of business, which means that statistically, your odds are not in your favor of making out with any sort of value. It's basically a few winners and a whole lot of losers, and the losers pay for the winners, and that's basically it. So, I am not a big fan of that. Every time I've ever made a magic deck, I did not buy booster packs. I've never been a booster pack person. I would figure out what my list would be. I would go on. There were some websites that would like a encyclopedia of magic cards, basically. And I would make my list. And then I would go on eBay or the local store. And I would just buy those specific cards that I wanted. And I cannot even begin to calculate how many hundreds or thousands of dollars I saved by doing that. Sure, I might have been buying $5 cards or 10 or even some $20 cards, which I know is not a lot for some people. It's a lot for me. But $20 in cards that I definitely do want and need versus $20 in just some random BS, that was a much, much better deal. So I never have been in this camp of enjoying this sort of thing. I think mostly it's probably a reason for Games Workshop or any other company to move a bunch of stock that they can't normally move. And it's just kind of sitting around and they're doing some spring cleaning. And this, honestly, is a pretty cool way to do that. I'm actually not completely against the supply drops. I think it's a pretty neat idea if you're into that sort of thing. But keep in mind that they have a 40K supply drop, period, 40K. So you could be getting a Space Marine kit. You could be getting an Eldari kit. You'd be getting an Orc kit whatever, and I see some orc players online going, oh, well, you know, everything's an orc kit if you try hard enough, and that is true. If you're a big kit basher, or you just like to paint models, and, you know, normally you probably wouldn't buy these models, but, hey, they're sitting in front of you because you bought the drop crate. You know what? That's still cool. I think I think there definitely is some uh, enjoyment to be had out of these. Now, are you trying to fill out your army? This is a huge, gross, disgusting waste of money. Um, are you looking to start a new army? Well, you really should be doing that by how the models look and how the playstyle is, not how, you know, just getting random models in a box and going, I'm going to start an army on this. That's not how that works. Okay. It's not how it should work. Um, and that probably doesn't have the staying power that you need it to for you to actually continue expanding that army. So I saw one person say that they bought the, uh, the 40 K supply drop. I keep trying to call it a drop box or a supply box. It's supply drop is what it's called. Um, and they supposedly, you got to take these people's word for it. They got an Imperial Knight and they got a Dreadnought and they got like two or three characters, Primaris characters. And they said they were able to make their money back by selling everything except for the two characters and keeping the two characters for kit bashing purposes. And I'm like, uh, Okay, like, so you had to go to the trouble of buying this big box and then finding sellers and hoping you can make your money back by selling the things that you didn't want in order to break even, although the poster did say that he actually made a profit. Now, I can't imagine it's much profit, but apparently it, it didn't come out of his pocket. So he got two free models for an army he does not play, and he said he's going to use them for kit bashing. Well, I mean, sure. It's, it's like you're walking into McDonald's, right? Instead of just taking the front door and buying the two models that you might want to kit bash with, right? No, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go around the back of the place, okay? 
and I'm going to wait for one of the employees to come out the back door for a smoke break, okay? I'm going to attack them from behind. I'm going to chloroform the employee, put them in the dumpster, then make sure I prop open the door, go in there, put the, uh, I'm going to put the employee's clothes on, and then I'm going to walk through the kitchen, and then I might even make some sandwiches to make it look convincing, and then I'm going to say, oh, I got to go to a bathroom break, and then as I do that, I swap back out of my clothes and then head to the front counter and then order my two models I wanted. That's like, that's what that story sounds like. It's like way out of your way just to get the simple result that you got. So I don't know about that one. Another person claimed that they got Adrax Agatone, which I don't even know what that is. I guess it's a character. Master Lazarus, uh, Casario Khan. Mephiston, a Fenrisian wolf squad, regular space marine bikers, and Sisters of Battle Arcoflagellants. For, they paid £175, and the actual, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They were worth £175, and they paid £75 for it. So they got more than 50% off on those kits. But I sure hope that you want uh, four characters and a wolf squad, and regular bikers, and some sisters' arco flags. I hope you want those, and I hope you can use them, because you just spent 75 pounds on that for... I don't know, man. That I mean, that sounds better than the night story, but still. Here's the Warhammer Underworld supply drop, okay? They apparently... You know what? I'm not even going to know what these are, but they got... Uh, it looks... night. Okay, maybe some of you know what this is. Night Vaunt's Godsworn Hunt. I guess. Beast Graves Champions of Dreadfane, which looks like that's a warband. Beast Graves Primal Lair Terrain Kit. Okay. A playmat. All right. A carrying case. Okay. Counters and tokens, which is like what? And Beast Grave Deck Box. And the total MSRP for that was 141 pounds and they paid 75. So they actually got slightly worse. They, they got like a 45% discount. Um, and that's that's basically the two examples I was able to find. I was not able to find any Age of Sigmar at all, um, what people claim they actually got. Once again, though, I just feel like it's a bad investment unless you are a painter, where, of course, you know, you would love to paint all these different characters and all of that. If you're purely a painter, I can see this being a really fun and random gift for somebody or for yourself. If you like to kitbash a lot, and you just want some new kits, especially if you're an orc player, okay, I can see that as well. I could see that you could take all these different kits and bash them, although the Space Marine one I saw, ignoring the, the night one, um, the one Space Marine one was like four characters, and then wolves, and then bikers and arco flags. Like, that's not going to help an orc out very much at all. He's looking for vehicles or dreadnoughts or something like that. So, I don't know, man. You you gotta you gotta do you, boo, I guess. Unfortunately, it is a want that not for the Pimpcron. But honestly, I am already going into this bias because I am not that type of person anyway. I never played scratch-offs. I never did the lottery. I never did casino stuff. I just don't do it because I know statistics are so bad that, you know, it's just not in your favor. If it were in your favor, then it's in everyone's favor. And if it's in everyone's favor, they'd go out of business. So... I think this is a really clever way for Games Workshop to do it. Um, unfortunately, they're not offering it in the U.S. this year. And apparently people are whining online that it was sold out within an hour. 
So people didn't even hear about it. I tried to click the link and it said, oh, 404 error. It's been lost to the warp. I'm like, ah, okay. So, uh, yeah. So I guess it's good that I don't want it <laughs> because I can't get it anyway. Being in the U.S. and, of course, you know, I didn't get there the first hour or half hour that it was open and everybody sold out. Whatever. All right. It's a want that not for me, but at least you know about it for next year. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. Hey, it's Real Talk with the Pimp Cron, and today I want to discuss whether or not Games Workshop should just go ahead and buy Wahapedia. And the reason for that is that Wahapedia has done an infinitely better job than Games Workshop has on any of their apps as far as keeping things up to date and keeping up with all the White Dwarf releases and having a comprehensive... Uh, description and explanation of every single one of the armies in the entire game of Kill Team or 40k or Age of Sigmar. So if you don't know what Wahapedia is, it's a Russian website, and you know Russia and China do not give two craps about IP. So it's a Russian website, and I don't think I'm blowing the lid off anything. It's a very popular website. If you look up Warhammer Rules, it's like the number one thing under Games Workshop. I just think that they can't do anything about it because... You know, Russia just doesn't care about any of your uh, IP. Wahapedia is a website that you can click your game that you want to play, and then you can click your faction that you want to play, and they've got every single one of the factions. They've got every single stat and special ability for every single unit in every single army of 40k, Kill Team, or Age of Sigmar, and they are up to date. They are up to date with little symbols that show you whether or not um, this new rule that may not be in your rule book is from a white dwarf or if it's from an errata or wherever it might be from a supplement book. And you can actually reference all of that. Wahapedia is the number one best resource I've ever found for Warhammer 40k or Age of Sigmar. Um, it just so happened that I really needed to use it this last week because I really wanted to play my Maggie Ken of Nurgle. And I had misplaced my book. I looked and looked and looked and looked for a full week and could not find my codex anywhere. And I was not about to buy the stupid thing again because I already begrudgingly bought it the first time. So I was still able to look at all of my rules and see how things have been updated or FAQs or White Dwarf or whatever. And it's also been a lot of help for my um, Hedonites of Slanesh because Hedonites of Slanesh is a dumpster fire as far as the codex is about 40% helpful with building an army because they've been white dwarf. There's whole units in there like Dexessa and the other big demon lady. Um, they're not even in my codex at all. They released them like six months after the codex and they're just white dwarf entries. And they were also in a supplement for Age of Sigmar. I forget what that was called. But um, yeah, so there's updates to different um, units and all that sort of stuff that is just simply not in my codex. And they changed the um, Hedonite. Uh, it's like Power from Pain, but it's uh, the more wounds you do to people, um, the the more you can summon Slanesh Demons. I forget what it's called, but um, that has all been updated and changed several times. And that's all up to date on their website. I mean... It's easy to use, it's easy to navigate, it's in very uh, easily read format, and you can look at it on your phone, you can look at it on the computer or on a tablet. So at some point, I think to myself, 
why am I even buying codexes? Remember when I said I had the idea for like the gamers edition of each codex and apparently you guys did not like that idea. So whatever. Um, but I, it certainly would appeal to me being that I've got so many armies and, um, it basically, it was just the rules with none of the fluff or anything like that, because I don't care about that. And for those of you who don't care about it, I think that would also be a pretty good, uh, a pretty good option. Well, Wahapedia is that basically, I mean, I've looked at it in the past and all that, but I've never really appreciated it until I couldn't find my codex. And I did eventually find my codex. I found it just yesterday after a full week of checking my storage area and checking my house multiple times, like three times each. Uh, one of the kids, we have a special reading couch in the corner with a nice light and all that. One of the kids had pushed it under the couch by accident. So I was looking all over creation. I even went up, uh, went up in the attic and looked on our luggage thinking, well, maybe, you know, I took it on a vacation because it's been months since I looked at it. I was like, maybe I took it on a vacation and left it in one of the pockets of our luggage. I looked everywhere. But that's neither here nor there anymore. The point is, is that Wahapedia, for free, has been able to categorize and catalog everything about Games Workshop's rules and units and all of that far better than Games Workshop ever has done in the past. And there's issues with their various different apps. Their 40K app sucks. And their Age of Sigmar app actually seems all right. But it's not always up to date. And I use War Scroll Builder a lot for my list building. And uh, that seems pretty up to date, I think. I think War Scroll Builder a couple times has been um, updated before the actual app you pay for has been updated. Which is pretty nuts. So I'm just wondering, at some point, Games Workshop has to realize that there are independent people out there that are doing things far better than they ever could. And I'm thinking, why would you... Now, I, I somewhat get that they do not want to condone these type of actions, right? They don't even want to admit that they exist because there's probably nothing they can do about it in Russia anyway as far as legal action. And they just would prefer that it's just not a thing, right? But just like they were going to incorporate different independent creators for their Warhammer Plus series, it seems like it would be a good idea to incorporate something like this into their website or whatever and include a list builder with it and all of that. It just seems like that would be a great idea. And basically everybody now has a tablet. I mean, I don't really like reading it on my phone because it's a little cumbersome because my eyes suck, but everybody's got a tablet at this point. So just go on the online instead of buying the codex and look up the rules. Now, is it as pretty as the book? No, certainly not. Do I like print copies better than digital? 1000% I do. But for the price of, I don't know, free and up to date, that's the big deal. That's the biggest deal for me is that the books on Wahapedia or the, the information is actually up to date. And when I see a rule that I don't know where it came from, it actually says, oh, it was in White Dwarf 297 or whatever. Um, it's just it's just fantastic. I cannot imagine that a group is doing this for free, but they are. So you should go check it out if you want to. Um, or if you lose your codex like I did. And um, of course, you could also if you want to be really cheap, really, really cheap. You could just print out the data sheets on Wahapedia and put them in a folder or something, and there's your codex. Now, will you look homeless doing this? Yes, you will. You will look like you live under the overpass, but <laughs> but it would work. And uh, to the idea of um, buying the data cards and all that, you know, the cards are marginally nice to have for any of your armies. 
but I never buy them because I just don't, I'm not going to spend that extra $30. It's like $30 for these cards. And the book was what, 40 or 50. It's just not worth it. It's like, I'm not spending that much money for handheld little things when I'm still going to have to look up the spells. I'm still going to have to look up the faction traits and the artifacts and all that. It's just not worth it. But maybe I could print out some of that information from Wahapedia and then make my own cards, which you know what? I'm actually not going to do. I've got far too much going on in my life, but it's still a neat idea, right? It's still a neat idea. Now, something I really, really like about Wahapedia, and no, they have not paid me to say any of this. I'm just giving them props for doing a fantastic job for free, is they list the stratagems that are applicable to any unit. Now, that is awesome. Like, I didn't realize there was any stratagems that I could actually use with my grots for, um, for my Forge World stuff, like my grot tanks and things like that. And I go on Wahapedia, and there's like eight or ten different, um, eight or ten different uh, stratagems I can use. And when I got looking at the actual uh, wording of it, then it was like, oh, orc vehicle. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, they always say that you can't, uh, the Gretchen don't get the clan culture or anything like that, but they do get the keyword, or at least their vehicles do, or something of that nature. Um, there's a loophole. And so what they did is they highlighted all the stratagems that I could use with that unit. And I'm thinking, you know what? The next time I go into a tournament, which will probably be in a long time because I am not in the tournament mood with 9th edition, but the next time I go into a tournament, I had to hand pick all of my stratagems from a uh, tournament packet website. And I had to print them all out and find out the ones that would apply to my units and all that. And now it's just it's just categorized all here at the bottom of the unit uh, data slate. It's like fantastic. It's such, such a great resource. And for the stratagems alone, I think it's definitely worth using. Now, am I going to stop buying codexes? Am I encouraging you to stop buying codexes? Well, I'm not encouraging or discouraging you to do anything. You do you, boo, as I love to say. If you want to shove it, stick it to the man and shove it up Games Workshop's butt, then you go on Wahabapedia and you print out your whole codex for free, okay? You do that. You're going to look homeless, but go ahead and do it. I, for one, am probably not going to do that, even though it's tempting because I spend a fortune on codexes, but... um. I have seen my spending on Warhammer dwindle over the years. I don't buy nearly as much stuff as I used to because I own like something like 20 armies now, 22 armies, something like that. And most of them are fairly fleshed out. I want like one of each unit, maybe two, maybe, but I never do three. And I just don't need, you know, 7,000 points of every army. I just don't need it. So the codexes, keeping up to date with the codexes, is a good way for me to support my local store, even though that sounds stupid in hindsight because I could be buying models for that, but I really don't have any models I want to buy for the most part. So this is a good way for me to routinely give my store money because I want to support the store. Um, that is the main reason why I'm not going to just print out all my codexes. Is it tempting? Very much so. Is it helpful? I mean, good God, dude, why does Games Workshop, why don't they do what um, what Wahapedia does and put your stratagems that are applicable at the bottom of the page for each unit? Do you know how cool that would be? Now, some units would be like a whole page on itself, you know, for stratagems that apply to them, but other units it wouldn't be. And man, that would be awesome. 
That would be really, really cool. Now, a lot of you that read your book over and over and you don't own 20-some armies, then you're like, oh my god, listen to this old man. He he, he needs the second the uh, stratagem spoon-fed to him. And you know what? Yes, I do. Please puree the stratagems and you flavor them with some sugar, hide my pill in it, and just shove it down my gullet because I am not going to sit here and study my, my codec. I'm just not doing it. Anyway... I think Games Workshop should do something with Wahapedia. They should incorporate them. They should hire them. They should do something with them because Wahapedia has the know-how and they have the track record of doing stuff far better than Games Workshop in a lot of instances. And I could see them definitely folding that website in. You know, make people log into the website and give some sort of weird background so it's hard to print out or whatever they wanted to do to prevent people from just printing out codexes. And make it a Patreon sort of thing where it's a monthly subscription. I mean, there's ways to do this Games Workshop. Please, I'm pleading with you. <laughs> I would gladly pay uh, $5 a month for unlimited all codex access. Now, you know Games Workshop, it would probably be 20 a month. And then I would be like, screw you. But I'd definitely pay a few dollars a month for access to all the codexes. That way you don't have to use codes and all this nonsense. Anyway, tell me what you think. Uh, hit me up at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron. Thank you to gamemat.eu for supporting the show and panhandle3d.com. And also, as always, the beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons. I'll see you next week, guys.